Hello there. I want to introduce you to a new podcast that's definitely worth a listen called Escape the Underground Railroad. It's a companion podcast to the Prime Video limited series Underground Railroad, which was directed by Academy Award winner Barry Jenkins. Hosts Desiree Birch and Makita Oliver track down and discover the other side to the story, the uprisings, the revolts and the rebellions. Over the series, it brings you incredible real-life stories like how 28 enslaved people from Kentucky escaped in plain sight disguised as a funeral procession, or the story of the Little George ship and the fact that the more women there were on a slave ship, the more likely there was to be a revolt. Really powerful stuff. If this sounds like something you're interested in, here's a preview. Hello, I'm Makita Oliver. And I'm Desiree Birch. And this is Escape, the Underground Railroad podcast. A collection of stories about the rebellions, escapes and uprisings of our enslaved ancestors served alongside the powerful and evocative Amazon Prime video series, The Underground Railroad. We're going to be exploring the strengths, struggles, and strategies of our super smart, inventive ancestors. The real-life, formidable heroes through history who never back down in the face of brutality. And we're starting with a story from the real-life Underground Railroad. Question, how do 28 people disguise themselves for an escape in broad daylight through a busy city? In a really big trench coat. Come on. (laughs) They just reached a point where they needed to make a move. They needed to escape. So it was just the right time, the right moment, but it was planned. It wasn't just a happenstance. As people say, they just didn't wake up one morning and say, we're going to run. No, this was a planned escape of a group of 28 that had almost never happened before. Okay, so before we get into our first story, I want to talk about Cora, Desiree. Yes, yes. For those who may be unaware, Cora is the heroine of the new limited Amazon Prime series, The Underground Railroad, that we are going to be talking about always on this podcast. And it's directed by Barry Jenkins, who, of course, directed Moonlight, which is just absolutely beautiful. And this is the same. And the story follows Cora's escape from enslavement on a Georgia plantation. She escapes via the Underground Railroad, which historically was not an actual railroad, but in this show, it definitely is. Like, we're going to see her get on an underground system of trains to go to safe houses on safe routes. Yeah, in this series, the Underground Railroad is literally a railway under the soil. With some, like, beautiful magical realism that really brings it to life. I mean... I would say that railroad shot, although completely fictional, was beautiful enough and intense enough to make me think, was there a real railroad? So they did that really, really well. Oh, God. And the run, like that run (gasps) when they run through the field, Caesar and Cora, and they get and they're on their way to, you know, it doesn't even need to be a railroad. They're just running somewhere else finally. And like almost falling as they're running and just like having to break for a house and being like, literally, we've come this far and we could get killed in between here and the house. It's just so, like, I'll never forget 
that image. And you know what? I feel like a lot of things, Desiree, in, in the episode, I was like, I don't think I'm going to forget this or this yeah. or this for a while. Like it yeah. really sits with you. Not just, of course, the mm. horror, but I think also the fortitude stays with you in this yeah. really, like it gets in your bones. These yeah. are our people and they were strong and powerful and showed that constantly. Anyway, look, you just need to watch the series like right now. Yeah. So there were many uprisings and rebellions, but they weren't written about or well documented at all. Historically and presently, these stories are just kept out of the curriculum and they're kept out of mainstream media, which just makes me want to ask the question to you, Desiree. How did you learn about these uprisings as a young girl? Because obviously over here in the UK, we just weren't taught anything. What did you know? A bunch of white people did some really important things that saved the universe and the black yeah. people sung some fucking songs. You know, <laughs> the drill. Standard shit. I am trying to think of any time that we were taught about uprisings. We were obviously taught about uh, the abolition movement uh, because they could take great pains to point out very wonderful, noble, righteous white people who were involved in that. You definitely have to know about notable names like Harriet Tubman, obviously, is usually our one and only reference point for the Underground Railroad, through which they talk about, oh, it was a series, you know, network of people and houses and places and ways that you could travel ultimately to get to the north, but like, you know, better off in Canada. You rarely, if ever, hear about Black people as the leaders, uh, the creators of their own resistance. It's like the same way that you hear about Rosa Parks being a tired old woman who just wanted to sit down and not someone who had a history of civil disobedience and who had planned this out to a T. So it's always sort of a happenstance kind of thing that they just lucked out that they met like a really smart white person. Yeah, it's just this one-off <laughs> moment that happened occasionally. Yeah, what about here in the UK? Like, how were you taught about the slave trade or slavery in the US or in the Caribbean or wherever? I mean, of course, we, you know, my grandparents are from Antigua. So mm. we had knowledge of the, of the Windrush. But I mean, the Windrush is so terribly celebrated. Uh, just sort of the moment, the moment of it happening is is only in the last five years, really sort of trying to have things that discuss it, mm. things that actually celebrate us all coming here and integrating with British people, but it's not something that was even mentioned in education at all. And when you when it comes to US slavery, I would say I would go as far as saying we know absolutely nothing unless we watched films or unless you had parents that would tell you about it. I think the probably mm. Armistad is when I first started learning properly. Gotcha. So it took Steven Spielberg for me yeah. to learn anything <laughs> before the whole British education system could tell us anything. So I think this is, you know, again, when I watched mm. The Underground Railroad, I was sort of prepared for the horror, but mainly because of my imagination. Yeah. No, it's astounding. I... um happened to be in a car with two other white comedians who I won't name on our way to a gig. And someone had been reading the paper when the Windrush scandal broke about right. how all of these people who were like desperately needed to come and work were promised citizenship, never given any paperwork, and then unceremoniously sent the hell home. One of the guys was reading the front cover. He was like, the Windrush. Like, but he's like, what was that? And then both of them just sort of slowly looked over at me. And I was like, so you know it's a black thing. And you're expecting the only black person within like a hundred feet, which is me, to explain to you what your own history is mm -hmm. right now. So right. that to me was quite telling about the stories we tell ourselves about what is important to our stories and to our present. 
But how slavery is taught here, if it is taught, is really passive. We were taken, we were forced on ships, we were made to work. Not going into the resistance that came with all that can actually do a lot of damage to your sense of self if this is the only way you're hearing about the people that you've descended from. It's so important to know and understand that resistance to slavery was relentless. And as long as there was slavery, there was resistance to it. Yes. Feels good to just say that, to be fair. Yes, it feels good to say that. And it's going to feel so good to know that for people now and for their future generations to always know this was not something that was taken lying down. And in fact, people went to great lengths and odds to rescue themselves and each other. Stuff was popping off pretty much everywhere in America around that time. <laughs> and that's what we're going to focus on in this show throughout the diaspora. So let's just get into it. Let's just do it. It's a balmy, hot Sunday afternoon in northern Kentucky in 1853. A light breeze moves through the trees as I lay out the chairs for this week's service. I'm pretty sure there'll be some resistance, but I know this is the right thing to do for us now and generations to come. So in my sermon today, I'm going to tell them, convince them that we need to make a break for our freedom, all of us, together. So who is this and what's about to happen here, Desiree? This is the story of Washington Parker of the Cincinnati 28 and the Underground Railroad. So this one I've never heard of. Yeah, not many people have. I've only recently learned of it myself, and it is a banging story. <laughs> and we have got Dr. Eric Jackson down the line from Cincinnati, Ohio, to tell us more. Eric is professor of history at Northern Kentucky University. With almost 25 years of academic experience, he teaches in the fields of American and African American studies, race relations, and peace studies. He has over 50 publications in journals such as Africology, the Journal of Pan-African Studies, and the Journal of African American History. Dr. Eric Jackson, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for being here. Is it okay if I call you Eric? Yes, absolutely. The doctor tag is just reserved for my students and when I'm at university. <laughs> I quite like it, though. Dr. Eric I Jackson, know. Right? And, but Dr. Eric sounds like you're some kind of made-up wellness doctor. So I think it's either Dr. Jackson or Eric. <laughs> so, Eric, who exactly was Washington Parker? Washington Parker was a enslaved African-American in Boone County, Kentucky, which is right outside of Cincinnati on the other side of the Ohio River. He was one of the few enslaved African-Americans on this Boone County plantation that was in the city of Petersburg, Kentucky. So because enslavement was not a cash crop driven society in northern Kentucky, he served as a person who was in the house most time serving the owner. So he was taught how to read and write as a youngster. The power that he possessed is in that skill of reading and writing, that he interpreted the scriptures in a way that was different than whites, that he took the scriptures and turned it into what scholars call later black or liberation theology that argues that you use this type of theology to empower yourself and your community. So for him, the type of Christianity that he was talking about on that particular day in April of 1853 was a different brand of Christianity that empowered folks. And for him, his freedom came with 
understanding that even the Christians in that region were using a brand of Christianity that was draining the life out of people of color Mm. by justifying their bondage to the larger society. I wasn't aware of that, and that just feels like a a whole new, I don't know, dark level to use religion in that way. Yeah. The only thing that you could learn about was Christianity, and it was mostly about the, uh, you know, all of the suffer little children, all of your rewards will be in heaven, but not now, you know. I agree. What would have been the main things that just took them to the place of making the break for freedom and not just discussing it? You know, well, you know, this is essentially a life and death decision. What took them to that place was the continued abuse they were taking, that their allegations that the group that was on that plantation, which, again, is not necessarily those images of plantations you might think about in the deep south of the United States that's growing cotton or tobacco or rice in South Carolina. What you have going on is in northern Kentucky is this type of enslavement where folks are horribly treated. The abuse is there. It's just not driven by a cash crop. So they had reached a point on that particular day, at that particular time, in that particular instance, that they just had enough, that the time was right, that the situation was right, the attitudes was right, White owners were um, doing something else because they concocted this plan most times on Sundays when they didn't know that this new brand of Christianity was empowering folks. So they just reached a point where they needed to make a move. They needed to escape. They needed to move their psyches and their physical being to a different spot. So it was just the right time, the right moment, but it was planned. It wasn't just a happenstance. As people say, they just didn't wake up one morning and say, we're going to run. No, this was a planned escape of a group of 28 that had almost never happened before. That's the information that we're given is that these are just sort of one-off moments where it's sort of in 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 a moment of madness. They said, let's (laughs) get out of here. But people had to be ingenious and smart you know, because of what risk, what risks they were taking with not just themselves, but the people around them. So I think that that's very convenient that, again, that's another part that's just been taken out of the history, the way people's minds worked, you know? Yeah. So, um, Eric, whose idea, I know there's a lot, you know, we got, we're talking about 28 people that got out of this hellhole. Whose idea would it have been initially to make the break? Who would have been sort of leading the charge? It's mostly Washington Parker, but it's it's other folks involved. Remember, you have to keep in mind, as you were talking earlier, that you had a system of enslavement where one of the justifications for enslaving people of African descent is to rationalize that they are not capable of thinking in their own space, that they're not capable of understanding and reasoning, that they're not capable of having these planned out activities, that the justification, even from a scripture standpoint, was to justify from a Christian standpoint that these folks were less than human. And psychologically, emotionally, they didn't have the capacity to actually plan this stuff out. And so some of the some of this 
agitation of not understanding how the Underground Railroad and, and Washington Parker and all of the 27 other people is they had the capacity to learn. They had the capacity to reason. They had the capacity to understand that oppression was trying to define their humanity, destroy their souls. I'm curious with Washington Parker's congregation, they're in Northern Kentucky, where are they escaping to? Or where at least are they escaping to first? What's the plan? So the plan originally was to just cross the Ohio River, which divides Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana, or as enslaved people called it at the time, the River Jordan, because they looked at things from a spiritual perspective. So the the River Jordan is part of a story from the Bible that when you're being baptized in the water, where you submerge your worldly self into the river— And when you come up, you're a new person. So all the things you did in your former life was taken away and you had this new life as a person. And so the Ohio River, in their minds, was a symbolism of being dunked in that water and then coming up on the other side as a new person. And that newness was freedom. If you want to listen to a full episode, search Escape the Underground Railroad podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you very soon for another episode of The Screen Test.